Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Good Humans Podcast with me, Cooper Chapman, chatting to the world's best about the inspiring stories that got them to where they are today. What's going on, you good humans? Thank you so much for tuning in today. If it's your first time here, make sure you go and hit that subscribe button. Hit the like button. really helps us get our podcast moving up the charts, getting it into more ears. Also, for the month of... March. It's Brain Month and a rapper, Drink a Rapper, is our sponsor, the Brain Drink. And we're doing a special thing for this month. So anyone who posts on their Instagram story a screenshot of their favorite episode, whether it be a guest, the 1% or 28 and sober, share it on your Instagram, tag both Drink a Rapper and myself, Cooper Chapman, or um, Good Humans Pod. And yeah, I'm going to be picking two people each week to send a case of Drink a Rapper to. So I want you guys to get to try out this product. You can go onto their website. You can use code GOODHUMAN for a big 25% off if you want to purchase some or if you want to try and win some for free. Tags on your Instagram story. Brain drink, neuroscience back, millions of dollars of clinical studies have gone into it. And yeah, just a really, really special product. So check that out. All right, today's episode is with the Speak and Share boys, Ben and Nath, the legends from down in Mornington Peninsula. I've been following these guys on social media for the last couple of years and they've been just killing it. I love seeing other young guys getting in the mental health space, trying to start conversations and really just inspire people to think about mental health a little differently and just make it a really open and easy conversation that we all get to talk about. So I was down in Melbourne for some workshops a few weeks back. I caught up with the lads, learned all about their story, why they started Speak and Share. It's a mental health charity. They do very similar to what I do, run workshops at schools. They do amazing content. They've been organizing fun runs and community events where people get to come together and yeah, just speak and share, which is um, a really important thing we should all be trying to do. So I was pumped to get to chat to these boys. Like I said, I'm super stoked to um, yeah, hopefully connect with them over the next couple of years, do some collabs and yeah, try and spread this mental health message far and wide. So let's jump into today's episode. Welcome to Good Humans Podcast, Ben and Nath from Speak and Share. How are you both going? Thanks, Alan. It's good to be here. Yeah, big fan of the show. Yeah, yeah I'm um, pumped to come down and chat to you guys. So I've got Ben and Nathan from Speak and Share. You guys are doing some really cool stuff and I've been watching it kind of from afar for a little bit. Finally, today we've caught up in person. We've kind of been connecting on socials a bit, but yeah, it's um, cool to come down here, check out your guys' little space and get to know a bit more about your guys' stories and what's inspiring you to have a bit of an impact in the mental health, just like myself. So let's start with Ben. Let's get to know you a little bit, man. So let's rewind back to the start. Actually, I'm going to start something... First thing we're going to start, we're all wearing my gratitude shirt. So Great t-shirt. Jump on the website, get one. Quality <laughs> material. Boys love their merch too. Speaking <laughs> shares, a bit better than my merch. But let's start with you, Ben. What's yeah. something you're grateful for today? Um, probably for the people I get to meet. Um, meeting you this morning just before we jumped on the potty. Um, before we started speaking share, I wouldn't have thought of even like meeting yourself or the people we met along the journey. So probably the friends that I'm meeting along this journey and my family as well. Pretty grateful for my family. Lucky to have a good family. Love that. Yeah. Nice. I'm probably most grateful for like my health at the moment and 
Um, there's a few people in our lives that are pretty sick at the moment. So to wake up every day, be able to go for a swim in the morning and um, live the life that we're living, healthy and happy. Um, yeah, I'm grateful for that. Love that. Great way to start the episode. So what are you grateful for? What am I grateful for? Oh, I'm grateful that I get to have these conversations. Like now I'm like, oh, I think I'm like 60 weeks in a row almost of not missing a week of an episode which to most people, they hear that and go, oh, that's the 60 podcast episodes. But you guys obviously running Speak and Share know the importance of conversations. So yeah. just getting to have 81-hour conversations in a year where I haven't been interrupted by a phone and I've actually given people space to listen. I think I've learned a lot from it yeah. on just how to listen better, but it's also opened my mind to like the importance of listening to people, but listening with a curious and open mind and trying to pull benefits out of other people's stories yeah. my dad always said to me it's like good to learn from your own mistakes but it's better to learn from other people's mistakes and i think that's what i've been able to do with this podcast and brought it into my own life so that's something i'm grateful for i think about that a lot at the moment i'm just like fire i'm so lucky but yeah yeah that's yeah it's been a great more you learn so much from interacting with other people what they've been through it doesn't matter what age they are everyone's been through different things so you definitely learn, learn a lot mm, absolutely so i want to get to know your guys story now because we're on this podcast so yeah absolutely <laughs> i've seen obviously what you guys are up to with speak and share just started your charity it's pretty exciting what's on the horizon but i want to get to know why you guys are the way you are so let's start with you ben let's yeah, go yeah. start where you grew up what was life like as a kid family dynamics and then let's yeah, going to high school as well. What life was like as a kid? Yeah, so pretty similar to Nathan. Was born and bred on the Mornington Peninsula, where we are at the moment, which is southeast of Melbourne. Um, pretty lucky with my family upbringing. Got an awesome family. Mum and dad are still together. Um, have three younger siblings, which I love majority of the time. Sometimes I get under the skin, but yeah, my family means everything to me. My mates mean everything to me. Um, had a pretty good school upbringing. Went, went went to good schools, good primary school, good secondary school. Um, similar to Nathan, played a lot of footy growing up. Like good footy. Uh, was probably my outlet from school when I was struggling. Um, growing up, probably didn't really know what mental health was sort of thing. Um, and then the main reason why I started Speak and Share was uh, one of my mates unfortunately took his life during COVID. Um, the three of us were lucky enough to get up to Darwin um, at the end of 2020. Um, I was doing my final placement for uni up there, was flying, having the best time of my life. And then, yeah, I got a call from a friend back in Melbourne on the peninsula informing me that one of my best mates had taken his life. Um, so that hit me really hard. Um, Josh was yeah one of my closest mates and a footy friend and he had an episode 10 months prior to him taking his life where he um, had an episode on the Frankston train line and I was lucky enough to save him and intervene him from doing so and um, yeah 10, 10 months later 11 months later he yeah unfortunately took his life so I sort of said enough's enough and that was pretty eye-opening for me I didn't really know what mental health or what it was and as soon as Josh took his life I was like shit this is a real thing and it's affecting people and yeah to lose one of your best mates is something that I wouldn't wish upon my worst enemy so Put a, put a line in the sand about three months after him taking his life and just said, I need to do something. And yeah, the three of us um, caught up once we got back home and said, what can we do? And made the Instagram account, put up a few skits to keep people laughing during lockdown and it's sort of going from there. Um, we're a registered charity now, so we're only about 16, 17 months in. So it's been a wild journey. No, you got, um, we've got some big goals. So that's a bit of in, in, insight into my story. You guys are killing it. It's, um, it's really cool to watch. And it's been really inspiring to see the impact that you guys have already had in the community you've, you've built. I want to rewind a little bit. We went got through that very quickly. I want to know what school was like for you. So through high school, sporty, academic, yeah. towards the end of school, what were you thinking life was going to look like post-school? Because obviously now you guys are on a very different path. I feel the exact same yeah. way we're talking about this walking in. Yeah, yeah. What did you think post-school was going to look like for you when you were in those last few years of school? Uh, probably it was year nine. 
I've all, like, always loved my sport growing up, so I wanted to get into the physio side of things um, and then probably realised year 10 or 11 I wasn't smart enough to be a physio <laughs> um, and then came to the conclusion that I love talking to people, I love sport. Um, so PE teaching came from that. Um, so I studied teaching exercise science and went down the teaching path. Love teaching and then, yeah, the Josh thing happened. I said, we've got to do something. And then Nathan Mace finished uni the year after me, both teaching as well. Um, and, yeah, that's where I am today. Amazing. So we're going to catch up to where we are today very shortly but Nath let's get to know your story a bit better so yeah, where did you so, grow up what was life like family dynamics just to sort of set the scene to the sort of people you guys yeah, are today. Yeah. So growing up on the peninsula um, yeah lived a very privileged life growing up with a yeah beautiful loving family um, a lot of holidays played a lot of footy um, a lot of sport surfing like yourself and um, always took my footy like so seriously so probably for the first like 18 years of my life like footy was everything um probably didn't think about too much other than playing footy and had a lot, a lot of ambitions to try to get to the highest level possible um but yeah then sort of started going through through a few things um really enjoyed school so i've always been one that's like whatever i put my mind to like i'll just completely focus on that and i'll try to um the best that i can whether mm. that's school academically or um friendships and Mainly, mainly sport though so yeah then we it led to playing a bit of footy in the nt and a few things happened that's when um, my parents split up so i say like as i was growing up i'd always i was always extremely proud of my parents being together mm. um sort of looked at like those kids who you know the parents split up and they come to school and always felt like so bad for that kid um and that was like probably like my biggest like fear of like my family breaking down um and then yeah, well, I think we were 21 yeah. in Darwin and, yeah, got a call saying, like, mum and dad are going to split up. And, yeah, it sort of led to, like, a really hard time for myself personally. Um, started, like, not enjoying a lot of things that I'd always loved doing, like playing footy. Um, yeah, and I went through, like, a bit of a hard time mentally and, yeah, but then had a bit of a breakdown playing footy and then had a few mates beside me, like Ben and Mace, the other guy that we do speak and share with, um, had a lot of support around me and, yeah, that led to us forming Speak and Share together. So, that, like, that's my story. But as a kid growing up, like, Ben, like, super privileged, um, lived a great life, like, a lot of holidays and a lot of fun, a lot of outdoors adventures. But, yeah. mm. This is going to be a bit of a random question, which I'll sort of spring to both of you. Do you feel a bit of, I don't know how to put this, because this is something that I feel, because I'm very lucky too. My family is still together. I've had a great upbringing. Do you feel like it's like this like guilt that you've had such a good opportunity and then to like go and build something? Do you feel like that's a little bit of the reason why you feel like it's important to give back? Because I feel like sometimes, and I talk about it when I do my workshops, I'm like, I'm so lucky I've had such a great life. But now I feel like it's so important to share the best things that I got out of my upbringing from family life, from working with top level coaches as an athlete and share that with people who might not have those opportunity and resources growing up. 100%. Nathan, I went to the same school, which is a pretty good school. Um, my girlfriend's a school teacher at the moment, and she teaches at a school which is only half an hour from our school. Um, and some of the stories that she comes home with um, are pretty full on, like what the kids go through at home. Um, so it definitely inspires and motivates me to, to make a change. Because, mm. um, yeah, we are so lucky and pretty keen on giving back to those that don't have the opportunities that we have. Yeah. Yeah. And we're like, we're big on. You know, no one's story is, someone might go through saying a lot harder, but that doesn't mean that their story is any more important than, you know, that other person's story. 
like everyone has a story to share but um yeah we've met some people that have been have gone through some pretty hard things and it amazes you like the journey they've been on and where they are now um so for us like it, it probably is hard to not feel guilty of like the life we've lived but um we just want to create change and hopefully help as many people along the way as possible yeah it's so cool the way you guys are doing it like opening up conversations giving people some space to share their story because we i feel like most of us as individuals forget that every single person you meet if you think back to your whole life that you've been through the ups and downs the journeys the heartbreaks the wins the losses every single person that you walk past on the street has gone through probably as much if not more maybe a little bit less as all of us so it's like once you start to think of it like that and something that i talk about in my workshops is empathy like respecting other people's feelings and emotions because we know sometimes how strung up we got over something that a year later we realize how silly it was. Yeah, absolutely. People are going through that at that exact moment when they're talking to you sometimes. So it's important to open up that like sort of empathetic mindset. Yeah. And you can never judge a book by its cover. As cliche as it is, someone's always going through something or has been through something. Um, so we're just trying to yeah provide an environment where people feel comfortable and opening up and provide a time for people to do it because in modern day life, it's so fast paced with technology, with work, with footy, surfing, whatever you might be doing, um, people can just stop for a second and talk about what they've been through and go one way and help others. Yeah, I think like that idea of actually having real conversations, is it just feels like it's getting more and more rare. Like so many of our interactions, especially as young people nowadays, is through devices. And a few years ago, we used to have like internet friends and like real life friends, yeah. whereas it's kind of like that like blurred line has like disappeared and it's like anyone who like i'd call you guys mates yeah. and we've only met for the first time about half yeah. an hour ago so it's yeah. like it's funny how blurred it's got but we tend to forget that importance of real connection like being able to look into somebody's eyes being able to actually be there with someone yeah. and i think even like looking into people's eyes and like learning how to communicate in a way that actually connects is getting more and more rare yeah. and I, I speak about it in my workshops as well the idea that at school we get taught the importance of reading and writing but we never get taught the, the importance of speaking and listening yeah. yeah and there's two things that we do every single day yeah. more than we read and write but we aren't really taught it and they're skills like yeah, you've got to get better at it. and that's why i love what you guys are doing you're like encouraging people to develop those skills of being able to open up being able to share which yeah. like most people don't really know how to do that. And it's been pretty hard with lockdown, obviously. Like Victoria was in lockdown for whatever it was, two and a half, nearly three years. Um, and that's the only way kids communicate via Snapchat or whatever they do, their Snapchat streaks through TikTok, through Instagram. So for them to go from lockdown back to real life where they actually have to engage in a conversation face-to-face, um, it's pretty hard for some kids. And we, we've seen it at school last year, doing a bit of relief work. Like some kids really struggle to have a proper conversation face-to-face. Yeah, I think like probably the best thing that we've seen along like our short journey so far is like pro- providing people with the time and place to just stop and talk and like have this conversation, whether it's a podcast or whether it's through our program has been the most rewarding thing that we've seen. Like people are, people are dying to talk. Like if people want to s- spill the beans on what's been happening in, the, in their life. And yeah, some of the conversations that we've sat on and heard are like pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of those conversations are conversations that had to happen. Otherwise I don't know what else would happen, but um it gives you goosebumps thinking about it but it's been pretty cool yeah amazing so i want to go to that day now where you find out about your mate um taking his life as much as you want to share but yeah. just sort of the feelings that went through you as a young man having a friend go through that because it's something that's far too common there's i mean seven eight suicides 
I think it's a day now for men. Nine a day, yeah, nine yeah. a day and like seven or eight a man. So it's yeah. like this is happening far too frequently. Imagine like the spider web of people around everyone who's taking their life each day. Yeah. yeah. Far too frequent. So how was that experience for you? And then, yeah, what was that process for you to, to, to grieve? But then also to be like, you know what, I need to do something about this. Yeah, it was pretty fine. So when he had his um, accident on the train line where he tried to take his life, I intervened him and stopped him from doing so and found him there. Um, and then that was pretty full on. That was like, shit, mental health is, is a thing and it's affecting people. And then just quickly on that. Yeah. Do you feel like you had the right skills to be able to help him in that? Or do you think that's something that we really miss in the education system is learning how to effectively communicate with someone who's struggling? Because that's something I find even still really hard. Someone who works in the mental health industry, it's hard to support someone when they're really struggling because we don't really know what to say. Yeah. I wasn't equipped whatsoever. Mm. Um, Obviously, he was one of my better friends and I felt incredibly comfortable around him. But when you confronted me with something like that, I, yeah, I wasn't equipped whatsoever. Um, so that was pretty full, full on. And then I remember the day before we flew up to Darwin, um, caught up with Josh. He picked up a bench press, I think it was, from my place. He wanted to get jacked during COVID. Um, and I remember hugging him and promising him that I'd be home, like back to see him sort of thing and gave him a big hug and held him tight for a couple of minutes and promised him that I'm going to be back because he was struggling and going through a hard time, obviously, at that stage as well. Um, but yeah, unfortunately that day was never to come. I think it was a Saturday morning um, or Friday morning. I can't remember the exact day. It was my mom's birthday. It's pretty early in the morning. I think Darwin's two hours behind Melbourne time. Um, and his business partner at the time sent me a text. Um, no, he tried to call me actually. And it was like five o'clock in the morning. So I sort of looked at the phone and, and put it down. And I woke up probably an hour and a half later and said, shit, something's probably going on here. Like he doesn't mm. usually call me at this time. Um, it was a Friday morning because I was still working. And... He called back an hour and a half later and just said, just letting you know, mate, um, Josh has taken his life. Um, yeah, and hearing that obviously hit me like a ton of bricks. Um, as Nath knows and as everyone knows that knows me, my mates mean everything to me. Um, so to have Josh 10 months earlier try and take his life and then hearing that, I felt like it was all my fault sort of thing. Mm. Felt like I shouldn't have gone up north. Um, and it was, yeah, it was bloody tough because I had just finished placement like the day before. So I was flying, was on a high, done, done with uni, done with school forever for the rest of my life, hopefully. And then to get that, I was like, shit, what, like, what have I done? Yeah. Um, I was just blaming myself. You read through like text messages after I got the phone to Nath, you read that and then you take the piss saying like, oh, you're not going to reply sort of thing. You'd be like, fuck, was it that moment where he's sort of, yeah, gone backwards? Um, and yeah, I was pacing around the house for probably half a day um, after I found out, knocking things over. Not an angry person at all, but I was just so confused. I was angry, mm. frustrated, and you start crying, and then you stop crying, and you get angry again. So it was just a whirlwind of emotion. Um, and then, yeah, it was the hardest thing I've been through easily. Sure. What sort of support did you seek after that? Did you see a psychologist? Did you try and get some help after? Yeah, look, I didn't see seek professional help. I should have definitely, but obviously, being typical males, like I'll be right, sort of thing. Yeah. Um, I was lucky enough to be living one of one of my best friends, Fletch from uni, up there, um, and he was awesome. And then Nathan Mace were up there at the same time as well, and they came over that, that day and were, were a massive support. Um, but I really struggled for probably three or four months post Josh taking his life. Um, was pretty fit at the time when we were up in Darwin, and then pretty much as soon as he took his life, I was big on the piss every night until he came back. I was riding myself off every night. Um, was inactive, stopped running, stopped gymming, put on a bit of weight, was in a really negative mindset. Every morning I'd wake up like, what should I have done differently? Read through the text again, I should have replied to that differently. Just plays in your head 24-7. And then it was probably when Nath reached out, it would have been Feb, which was three months later, saying I'm struggling and I was like, fuck, I'm in the same boat. Mm. Um, and it was then when we started to speak and share between each other where we're like, 
like shit like we got to talk about what we're going through because if you don't yeah who knows where i would have ended up yeah um but yeah pretty full on yeah man thanks for sharing let's talk about your sort of side of that same story nath yeah, when you heard that so you weren't that good friends with Nate. no i didn't i didn't know um josh josh i knew sorry. i knew who he was and yeah, yeah but, knew his older brother but i didn't know um i wasn't a mate of josh's but yeah to hear that like i'm bloody getting pretty emotional yeah, yeah, so man, like obviously pretty proud of ben and to be able to share that stuff like um yeah thanks mate yeah i appreciate that no nah, it's fuck, man it's it's, it's just so powerful hard, being yeah. able to have like young men conversations like this because i'm sure before this happened you really wouldn't have been able to no. and as much as the heartache hurts and like it's just terrible like hearing that stuff but one of the things that i learned i did like my mental health first aid course a couple of years ago and the lady who did my course what was her name i can't think of a name she's a legend she went on to say that her i might butcher this but either her son or daughter's partner took his own life or her own life and she was like and i felt so bad for years that i didn't see it like it was in she was in high school or something the partner and she was like i didn't see it but she's like what i've learned through the profession of psychology is sometimes like no matter what you say no matter what you do the person's still going to do it and that's why you have to try and like pull away from that guilt and that's sort of like what could have i done differently like sometimes it's yeah. like you couldn't do anything you just, gotta, you just gotta stop questioning yourself otherwise you drive yourself insane exactly i just got to a stage where i said it is what it is I'm just what can i just do gotta move on like just doing proud now every yeah. day so yeah so let's talk about once um he reached out to you when you, well, you reached out to him saying you were struggling a little bit. Yeah, yeah. How did that conversation go and how, what were you going through if you're willing to, well, that was when your parents split Yeah, up so uh, mum and dad decided to split up and yeah, as I said, like I'd always been extremely proud. So I was, yeah, devastated really. I'd like, I tried to ignore a lot of these emotions for, you know, two, three, four months. Um, eventually, like I did a pretty good job at ignoring and I was like, all right, I'm up in Darwin with my mates. Like I'm gonna have a time in my life. I'm gonna play footy. We're like gonna go out. We're gonna drink piss and um, yeah, just like whenever I was alone at night, like I just find myself like crying under the pillow, sort of thing. And um, the boys like wanted to talk to me at times, and I said like, you know, like I'm alright. Like I don't want to talk about it. It's just like a really for me, it was like a really embarrassing topic. Mm. Like you know, bent like both the boys' parents are still together. Um, they're beautiful families, but for me, it was like you know that had always been my world. So I just felt like empty and I was like really confused and being mm. away from it all like I didn't know how to deal with it once I was, I was like sort of like all right I'm gonna ignore it but then I knew I had to go home to it at some stage and face it so then when I came home to it I was like fuck like what sorry for swearing no, like, no, swear as much as you need. <laughs> I was just like like my whole world it has changed like what I had left is just completely different now like we're living in two different houses now like my sister was struggling with some other stuff as well so um, yeah, came home and sort of started to wear a fair bit of it. Um, yeah, and I just started distancing myself from like a few of my mates and, um, I was playing footy, like playing VFL footy. So I was taking it pretty seriously and got to the point where I was like driving around the oval before training, like thinking about, all right, I'm not going to go train. I'm going to go home now. Um, walk into training and I'll just be like, fuck, like I just, I just can't be here sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, one day I was playing, Footy and I drove up to the game with dad and we were talking about a few things and, um, yeah, sort of got on the topic of that stuff. And yeah, I remember I shouldn't, I shouldn't have played footy, but I played in first quarter. I remember someone just said like, I may have fluffed a kick or something. And someone's like, Oh, like shit kick. And it just like, just like fully crushed me. 
And then mm. it wasn't because like, like Ben said, like shit kick, I wouldn't ever like care, but because it was like, I had so much emotion, like here, I was ready to just like, just, I was ready just to explode mm. sort of thing. Um, so we got to half time and I go in the change rooms and yeah, I was like, I just got it. I got like, I wanted to run away pretty much. And wow. I, in, all in my head, I could think is I'm never ever playing footy again. Like I'm never doing like the thing that I love ever again. I'm done. Like I don't want to be here. Um, yeah, I was in the chain, I was in the toilet, locked the door and I was just like bawling my eyes out. Wow. And then I just like threw heaps of water on my head, just like pretended I was like sweating. And I went and sat with the boy and I was like, put on a brave face for the rest of the game. Then driving home, I just like completely broke broke down when I got home. Um, I said like, yeah, I'm never playing footy again. Uh, I took a couple of weeks off footy um, just because I needed to just look after myself. But then, then I reached out to a few of the boys and I just said like, let's just go for a walk. Like, and that was, that was the best thing that happened. Like Ben and Mace, they didn't have an answer really for me, but it was more just being there for me to like just – um, download or like all my thoughts things that mm. have been going on and yeah we went for a walk they didn't have to say much it was more just me getting it off my chest and um, that's what we say a lot like when you start talking about it like once you get it off your chest you just feel free mm. um, yeah it was a, that was a turning point for me yes yeah, I, like, I felt like I was able to share like a lot of my problems with others yeah um, so once you share a problem that like halves a load on yourself almost it's like other yeah. people know it's like oh well, that's yeah. how my problem shared is problem half so once you open up you feel so much better yeah i think like since starting speaking chair we've learned that everyone's going through similar things whether it's losing a mate or your parents splitting up or losing a job or being financially stressed everyone's going through like, yeah exactly. everyone's going through a similar sort of circumstance or has been through they just don't feel comfortable in talking about it mm. so if we can get the message out that it's okay to talk about how you're feeling and it should be normal. Um, I think it'll change a lot of lives. Yeah, and absolutely. You guys have changed in life. So, yeah, let's speak about Speak and Share. So that walk that you guys went for, it really made you understand and recognize the importance of being able to open up, especially for young men because it's just – it's hard, but it's also like taboo almost. Normally an open up is like go to the pub and like or a bender yeah. and you're sitting there at two in the morning yeah. and kind of open up and then it's kind of like, oh, I better not bring that up again now I'm sober. Yeah. So opening these conversations sober and making it almost like a cool thing to do. It's like where does a badge of honour like hiding your insecurities is almost more of a, I don't know, it's like more of a weakness I feel like. Yeah. That it's like it's, it takes courage to be able to share. So, yeah, let's talk about that when the idea of speak and share came up. Yeah, yeah. I remember the three of us were at the beach. And we just said, like, what can we do? Like, we'd worked while we were studying at uni as an integration aid. So we sort of worked with, like, disadvantaged kids, kids that um, were on the spectrum and all, all that sort of thing. And sort of saw that they were struggling pre-lockdown and then obviously dramatically post-lockdown. And we just come together and said mental health is obviously a massive thing mm. during, like, for what we've been through with COVID. We just got brainstorming um, with names and stuff. And then we're, we're inspired and unemployed got us through me personally as well. Got me through lockdown, their skits and stuff. Um, and we're like, oh, let's just make an Instagram account. Let's make some funny videos and put a message behind it in regards to mental health. Um, got a logo developed. I remember we put a logo up on Instagram, just said three mates. I think one aspiration was the caption. Yeah. Hadn't really no idea where we wanted to take it. Um, and that had like 500 shares. or like something ridiculous on Instagram and followers just went up from that. And then we made a funny skip video, I think, and that did all right. Um, and then we had the idea of going in my garage and talking about pretty much just what we spoke about our own stories and it was pretty emotional um yeah. i know i was crying when we were filming that and we're pretty hesitant in posting that obviously coming from footy backgrounds so like the footy boys would probably judge us or probably rip into us sort of thing we just said let's just get it up there see how it goes 
Um, and that got like an amazing reception on the socials. And that was probably the point in time where we got together again and said, you know, let's do something with this. Let's try and change the world in regards to mental health. So it's sort of just grown from there, hasn't it? Yeah. I mean, starting at early days, we didn't really know like what it was going to become. And I guess still to this day, like it's hard to... Oh, it's constantly evolving. It's hard to imagine what Speak and Share is in five to 10 years, but we just knew that we wanted to help and we wanted to help our community because we could see that, you know, some school students were struggling and like our mates were struggling and the wider community was struggling. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it was just very much an idea and we knew that what we wanted to sort of achieve in helping people and um, we knew that we wanted to facilitate conversations for people to start speaking and sharing. But yeah, it was very much guided by the community. So throwing it out there on Instagram, sharing our stories, like as Ben says, sharing that garage story was like probably the most one of the most frightening things we've ever done. Yeah. But it just gave us a lot of courage to just stop and think that, you know, people are supportive and people might need more of this. So mm. um, if I can share my story about my parents splitting up and how it bothered me and then how I dealt with it, hopefully there's a kid out there who can relate to that, who's going through a similar thing or same with Ben and Mason's, Mason's um, story. So, yeah. yeah I think I we're think. still driven by our community as well. Like we don't want it to be about us at all. We want it to be about the community. Yeah. So we're pretty interactive on the socials, try and get feedback, whether it's what color hoodie should we do, what event should we do. We try and make it about what people want instead of what we think people want. Yeah. Yeah, let's talk about that initial progression. Like you guys are doing such a good job with building a community. That's what really inspired me to send down some socks to try and like get involved because the really, socks, by the way. They're good socks, no, aren't they? Actually, good socks. Did, did, give me a pair, bro. He rolled them all. Uh, <laughs> I put it gave him out of the um the running club, one of the running clubs, and the boys were up in Darwin playing footy and I kept about six pairs for myself. <laughs> they're elite. You're gonna have to hook me up, dude. I'll get you some more. Yeah, the merch is something that obviously you guys and we were talking about this when we had a coffee before that is obviously a big driver of your guys organization that was kind of one of the first things that really i guess you you probably call it as well put you guys on the map and created this community yeah where did the idea around your merch and what's the meaning behind your guys merch yeah so with the merch like we said we don't want to like we're not a brand so we yeah. didn't say we would want to be a brand that just sells merchandise for the point of making money yeah. like there's a lot that sell merch and they're like we're a mental health brand and we donate 10 percent of our profits but it's like yeah you yeah. raised your price by 15 percent and donate 10 exactly right. profits yeah. Not yeah. Really. we want to be as transparent yeah. as possible yeah, exactly. so we wanted to create a hoodie or a hat that has a story behind it or has a message behind it so um if I give you an example, we did a hoodie for one of my close mates and he was my strength and conditioning coach at footy um, called Chris Ross. And sadly, Chris was diagnosed with MND um, probably almost close to two years ago now. And um, yeah, like it's a, it's a really hard thing to talk about. But we said, I spoke to Chris and said like, mate, you have an incredible story. You are, and he's been super vulnerable sharing it on the socials, sharing like his journey um, day by day. And like Chris was really struggling, but we said, like you have a lot of power in your story. So I asked him, can we share your story and we'll dedicate a hoodie to you. We like, we want to get this out in the public. Um, and yeah, that's, that was probably the most special one for me. So we dedicated a um, hoodie to Chris. We called it the Rossi drop. Um, Chris was a Carlton fan. Uh, he's a Carlton fan. So we went into Carlton and we got the support I of the Carlton that. footy club. Really cool, that video. Um, so just doing stuff like that. So, like if we look at this year, we've got like a lot of stories lined up that, we're, that are going to be really powerful um, because we want the person who buys the hoodie to walk down the street knowing the story, knowing the message behind it um, and wearing it with pride. So mm. um, obviously, obviously each story has a different meaning. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, that's that's where we're coming out with our merchandise. No, I love it. It's so cool. Like every always having like a video with it, why the colors and what they are. Yeah. The story behind it. I think it's kind of the future of merch, like not merch, but the future of like wearing something that means something. Like yeah. this is what I was saying to you guys downstairs. Like you get people to go and spend six hundred bucks on a Balenciaga shirt so they can wear it out. So people can be like, ooh, they must be able to afford a Balenciaga yeah. shirt. It's yeah, like, yeah. or you can wear something that you wear it proudly and someone goes, oh, what's that? And you go, oh, it's this story of this guy and like inspires and builds positivity in the yeah. community rather than lowering vibration by buying something because somebody else can't afford it. It's yeah. like, I think particularly in Melbourne now, like everyone's supporting local brands as well. Like no one really wears, I haven't seen anyone wear a Balenciaga t-shirt down here, but <laughs> everyone's wearing like speak, share, push, pull, merch, and merch. Everyone wants to give back to people that are putting meaning behind their garment, which is yeah. really special. Well, like it's, Creating meaning and just building a community. So like if people want to feel a part of something, I think. The coolest yeah. message I think we've received is like, you know, I was wearing my speak and share hoodie and I was walking down the street and I met like this old guy and he stopped and asked me like what speak and share was. And then we had like this wicked conversation about mental health. And like to get a message like that, it's like, wow, like that's cool. Or if you you know, someone says like I was out and someone else was wearing a speak and share hoodie and we started talking and like facilitate a conversation like that. Like if we talk about your t-shirt, like what are you grateful for on the back? As you said, like you know, it just stops and makes people question and talk about stuff. So I think there's a lot of power in that um, yeah. moving forward as well. Yeah, I think the way that, yeah, we can like inspire people is in like such a broad spectrum that merch is just a great way. It's like, for instance, like my gratitude shirt, it's like I get messages every day that people are like, oh, somebody stopped me and told me they were grateful for it. It's like, there's like a little ripple that grows. How and cool is like, that? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's so cool. Like, and I'll tell you the story. So my first shirts that I did were Be Kind to Your Mind. It's like kind of my slogan for the Good Human Factory. Yeah. And I put them on a shirt. I've told the story a few times on the podcast, but you guys will like this. So yeah. I was like, all right, I'm going to do like 100 of these shirts. And I did 100. I got my first box of them. And I was going to the snow that day and I hadn't posted anything on social or anything. I was just wearing it as a sample. And I went to the snow and we stopped at McDonald's at Goldwyn, like on the way to the snow. I was with my friend Alex Hayes and a filmer. We're going to shoot some content. And What's your go-to at Macca's? Oh, I haven't had Macca's this year. I'm trying to be good. My go-to used to be a crispy chicken wrap. Yeah, I like it. No, I keep them on track, I'm a fake, like, healthy Macca's guy. When I used to go, they're like, oh, I'll just get the crispy wrap. The grilled wrap and I feel real healthy. Yeah, sorry for interrupting. <laughs> no, 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 that's fine. So we get to Macca's and I'm sitting there in this black beak on your mind shirt just mind our own business, having lunch quickly. And this old guy comes over to me and he's like, oh, like my son noticed you and like your friend Alex, like he said, you guys are like big on blah, blah, And I was like, oh, no way, like, that's really cool. And then he's like, oh, what's, where's your shirt from? And I've like literally never promoted it. Like no one knew that they were even mine. And I was like, oh, they're actually mine. This is the first day I've ever worn one. And he's like, I just wanted to let you know that I've really struggled with my mental health. And I really needed to read that message today to remind me to be a bit kind to myself. So thank you. And I was just like, the first day that I ever wore it. I've never yeah. had a message again like that in person from someone, but like the first day I was like, yeah. I'm pretty believing in like the universe and stuff. And that yeah. was when I was like, all right, I'm onto something with this merch. Like I've already made the impact that I needed to make. If I yeah. sell a thousand more and don't get that message, like it's done its job in one person. That's huge. That's so cool. All you need to do is like impact one person, you've done your job. Exactly. That's, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So like we get like a lot of messages like that each day and like, yeah, it all makes it worthwhile. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty special. Isn't it? Yeah. So, so the next part that you guys obviously do really well is like your community that you've built, obviously through the merch and people buying and supporting, but then also, yeah, is speak and run? No, speak. Sweat and share. Sweat and share. Yeah. So we yeah, ran so a let's movement. let's talk about that. Yeah, we ran a movement club last year. Um, 
which worked towards our fun run, which we had on the 4th of December last year. Um, we just wanted to provide people with like an environment where they can come down and connect with others. A lot of people aren't involved in sporting clubs. Um, and sporting clubs are a place where people spend so much of their time and feel like a home away from home. So we wanted to put on a fun run or a, a weekly run where people can come down and get active and meet people at the same time. Ran that for about eight weeks um, and then had the fun run where we had, I think, 460-something yeah. runners, which was crazy. Wow. Um, so we'll plan that again for this year when the weather starts getting better towards the back end of the year. We just want to impact as many people as possible, whether that's through being active or through our other community workshops. We just want to yeah, impact as many people as possible. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I mean, with Speaking Share, like all we ever wanted to create was like a community of people who were willing to speak and share and that mm. could le- that could lean on each other in times of, you know, toughness or um, to see it. So to see that community grow each day and hopefully it continues to grow, um, it's probably like one of the things that we're most proud of. Um, you know, I think we get messages sometimes of people saying, hey, I didn't know this person. And then I saw a Speaking Share top and, you know, instantly they're part of a community so that facilitates the conversation mm. um, which might lead to a friendship so you know people come into our workshops or our community events and then hopefully that forms a relationship and a friendship outside of um, the speaking share community yeah um, yeah it puts a massive smile on your face when you think about it like yeah that, it's so cool so let's talk about the charity route that you guys have gone when did you guys get to the point where you're like all right this is starting to grow to a place that maybe we should turn it into like I don't want to say a legitimate organization, but you yeah. know what I mean? Once you either get charity status or, I mean, I guess I've got to the point where it's grown to a business that has a reputation. Yeah. Where did you guys go, you know, well, let's turn it into a charity so we can fundraise and really start making a big impact? It was pretty early on. Hmm. Um, shout out to Sammy, our first employee. He'll probably listen to this at some stage. He bought a hoodie. I think it was one of our first drops. Yep. Um, and his mum asked Sammy, Sammy, like, why are you buying the hoodie sort of thing? What's the meaning behind it? Um, and then she reached out and it sort of grew from there. She's now on our board. Um, shout out to Beck, she's a legend. Um, and then she introduced us to someone else and it sort of just grew from there. That would have been, I reckon, only eight months in to us starting Speaking Share. And then to get the charity status would have taken... Six months. Yeah, at least six months. It was a pretty pretty decent journey that we went on. Uh, a lot of paperwork, a lot of questionnaires and all that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, it was pretty early on that it started, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, personally for me, like... One of my dreams was always to start a charity. Mm. So then to do it with like a couple of your best mates is like, you know, it's a dream come true. But we were introduced to, yeah, a few people along the way that became on our board and um, very much guided us with our business structure. Um, and then we obviously had the discussion whether we want to be a business or a charity. And um, for, what we're, for where we hope to go and where we hope to take Speak and Share, we thought that the charity um, path would be the best direction for us. Um, and it's opened up a lot of doors. Like early on, we really struggled with funding. Um, now that we're a tra- charity, a lot of people are starting to do fundraisers for us, which helping facilitate our programs. Mm. Um, and we hope one day that, you know, if we can land some fun- some serious funding, then we won't have to charge anyone a fee for our programs. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'd love to deliver our programs all across Australia free of charge. Like right. that's, a, that's a dream of ours one day. Obviously, that looks like a lot of facilitators and a bigger team behind Speaking Share. But, um, yeah, that's where that's where we're heading, hopefully. No, you guys are on your way to some amazing stuff. It's like crazy what you guys have achieved so sh- in such a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. But there is, um, yeah, I can imagine you guys have got a long way to go. So let's talk about your programs. When did you – obviously, you guys are both school teachers by trade. Yep. Yep. You would have straight away when you started – I'm guessing being like going into schools has got to be like a priority of ours. We know how to communicate with students. We understand the system of school because that's something I truly struggled with getting my foot in the door was 
being able to communicate with teachers, but also having the credibility to get your foot in the door at schools can be quite difficult. Yeah. Yeah. So what does your guys' program look like? Because yeah. everyone who listens to my podcast has a bit of an idea yeah. the way that I talk <laughs> about mental health, but I think it's important that we do have these conversations. And we said this off air, like there's so many organizations in the industry now that almost feel like they're in competition. And I was lucky enough to do some stuff with you, Van Collenberg, who you guys are trying to connect with, Hugh, if you're listening. Make sure you connect with yeah, the boys. Can't reply to a DM. No, we're, we're small fish at the moment. No, no, you guys are not truly on your way. So when you um, decided to do your programs, what is like the angle? So elevator pitch, if I say to you, what, what's your program look like? Yeah, Tell I mean. why we should book you to come and speak at our school? Yeah, firstly, there's like, as, you, as you're doing, like there's so many awesome programs out there. And the angle that we've taken is we just want to facilitate an opportunity or a time and place for students um, or sporting players or employees to stop and be able to have this conversation. Um, so it's very much working through a list of questions that prompt these conversations. Um, the, the, the questions that we prompt, you know, they differ. So some are like um, a bit of an icebreaker, like more friendly question. Then we explore like, what are you most proud of? What are the hardest things you've been through? How have you overcome these? Um, how are you looking after your mental health? What are you most grateful for? Um, so it's very much, yeah, prompting people to sit down and take the time to facilitate these conversations because as Ben said earlier, like the world's such a fast place environment. When do you ever get to sit down? Like who else is able to sit down on a podcast and actually have an hour long conversation? So if we can um, provide that opportunity for a, a student for 30 minutes mm. um, and guide them through that, um, that's what, yeah, that's what we're hoping to achieve. Yeah. Um, so how long are your programs? If you come into a school, do you guys do like a school period and you like break students up to connect with one-on-one with people? Yeah. So it's roughly 90 minutes the program goes for. Um, obviously you have to be pretty flexible with schools. Some periods, schools have to yeah. an hour, some give yeah. 45. Um, the three of us also share our stories and sort of what we've been, we've, we've been through personally, which sort of sets the scene. I feel like yeah. if we didn't sort of talk about what we've been through and show our vulnerabilities to kids or students or work people wouldn't buy into it. Um, so we sort of set the scene and create an environment where people feel comfortable in sharing. Um, so yeah, roughly 90 minutes the session goes for. Yeah, 90 minutes, which includes like a few icebreaker activities. So we just want it to be as hands-on as possible because if we think back to when we were at school, we never really had anyone come in and run a program where it was hands-on, where we were like connecting with our peers. It was very much that, you know, maybe that ex-AFL player who was like 50, 60. And has that lived. ex-surfer coming yeah. up and standing up saying, you're running for So you're still young, so... Um, yeah, we say like, we remember the old crusty dude coming yeah, in and telling us about too. his life. It was like, it just didn't connect with us. Like, I'd connect with you because like, we're a similar age and yeah. like, you're a surfer. I've got a passion for surfing and stuff. So, um, I think the, one of the strengths of us is that we are 24 year old males. Um, we're bringing on a couple of females at the moment. So that'll provide more of a female voice. But we said, you know, we're not dissimilar to the students that we're trying to pitch yeah. at and we're trying to connect with. So, Eventually, like we say to each other, like maybe in three, four years time, we might be outdated and we might need to bring in a next generation of facilitators. Yeah, he's got a baby, he's got a baby face. He's got a baby face. He's uh, no, but like I know what you mean. Yeah, so we we don't want to get to a point where yeah, our story isn't like connecting with students. Because the next crop of young males and young females are going to come through and have that story to share, which will hopefully influence the next generation. We just want the session to be like as engaging as possible as well. Like we've got music going, we'll have Drake going, whatever the kids are going to on TikTok, um, all that sort of stuff where the kids walk out and go, shit, that was pretty cool. Like yeah. I remember being at school, you'd walk out of a session from a guy that played whatever it was, three games for Fitzroy in the 1970s. 
um, and you're like, forget about it 60 minutes later. But if the kids can walk out of ours and go, you know, that, that was cool. Yeah. I actually want to talk about my mental health and make it a normal thing and a cool thing for people to talk about. And feel a part of eh? Like feel a yeah. part of our community. We want to invite as many people in as yeah. possible. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's so cool. Like I love that angle that you guys have taken and I love that. Yeah, I'd love for you guys to come and see my workshop one day because it'd be cool to... Yeah, 100%. Uh, and I want to come watch your, I want to come be involved in one of your guys' yeah. workshops because yeah, yeah. I feel like... I mean, I'm very lucky. I do have a great group of mates like that we're always very open with each other. But yeah, talking to strangers and being able to open up is like... It's an art. It's something that yeah. is quite difficult and some people find it almost impossible. So, so. Remember right the right first there. session we went to? Oh, bro. Don't oh, geez. Yeah, tell me what... Let's go. Let's go. We'll just start with... We were absolutely shitting ourselves. Yeah, well, I think we worked. We are doing relief work when we first started. Um, so we worked the whole day at school, teaching PE the whole day. I think it was during summer, so it would have been like 35 degrees in the gym playing dodgeball for six periods with year sevens. So crazy. So we are gassed at that stage. Then we had to rock up to this cricket club at like 6 30 p.m we're already knackered so it was nathan and i walked in like an older bunch of guys covered in tats like all of like oh, just backtrack we didn't we didn't just walk in we sat in the car for like yeah, 45 minutes yeah. like just saying these guys aren't going to listen to us there's no you organize a booking let's, let's backtrack everyone they reached they out, reached out, uh, they reached out to us yeah, yeah so yeah. That, that was like the first win but we were sitting in the car like there is no way they're going to listen to us like we are just three young guys oh uh, two young syndrome. yeah yeah Literally, yeah anyway we got in um yeah, like there was a few tats going around and stuff. And yeah, I don't think we're not the scariest looking dude. So we were staring at the front shaking. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the session went so well. Like we had some like crazy conversations with people, which I actually sat on a group of um with yeah, some of the coaches and this player and the player actually opened up saying that he'd been struggling and um he was like new to the club, so the coaches had no idea that he'd been struggling. Um and yeah, what led from that conversation was really powerful. But we walked out of there, yeah, with our chest out and we felt like amazing. We said like, all right, this actually does work. Like, yeah. you know, even though we are young and, you know, we doubted ourselves, yeah, there's an opportunity for us to help make a difference. Yeah. It's still scary though. Like I still get nervous every time we present. Oh, do, yeah. do you get nervous? Yes and no. It'll dissipate a bit. Yeah. Yours and guys is different though because what I do, I'm that guy that just stands at the front and shares for kind of sport. I mean, I do have a few interactive exercises. But I, and I was telling you guys this before we had coffee, like, because I'm not a psychologist, I find it quite, not intimidating, but opening up those conversations, I understand and know where they can go sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm and like we spoke before, it's something that you guys are not worried about, but something that you guys are also aware of. It's yeah. like people do get to that real poor end of the mental illness spectrum and need clinical help. So it's like trying to find that balance. Yeah. So for me, because I've presented basically my workshop well and truly over a hundred times now, I kind of just enjoy it. I know like I can get up, like I've got one, I'll go straight from here and do one. Like with now I'll do like zero prep. Like I just literally like open straight my computer, it. click play on my presentation and I can just freestyle my hour and just know my structure. So it's like, I don't really get that nervous anymore. But I think the reason why I don't get nervous is because I'm just so passionate. I'm like, yeah. if I get up there and give it my best and nobody gets anything out of it, I've done my best anyway. Why do I have yeah. to like, but yeah, it is hard. Like public speaking, some of it's more fear than death, but yeah. I've got to the, it's weird. I'm like, I don't feel much fear at all anymore. I'm just kind of like, well, I'm here. I've got to do it. There's no point in doing it scared. Like the yeah. best quote that I ever like come across that I like try and live by is the act of confidence comes before a feeling of confidence. Yeah. So I'm like, if I just act like I'm confident, the kids think I'm confident, and then eventually I start feeling confident because yeah. I need to do it. So that. it's like, That's cool. Yeah, it, it comes. But so what's, um, What's the future looking like for you guys? You've started your programs have kind of just started to roll out, yeah? You've yeah, we year, don't. How many did you end up doing last year? 
Uh, we yeah. trialed our sporting club program maybe 10 times yeah. um, and developed our school program. We did a bit of stuff with um, some workplaces and start businesses. But yeah, we just had a kind of fair feature, which has led to some like pretty yeah. big exposure. So um, I think we, from that, we had like a thousand messages on the DMs and wow. like contacts from, yeah, all across Australia asking about our program. So Ben and Mace have been working hard, um, sorting through all of them. And on, yes. yeah, I, at the moment, like we haven't delivered our school program too much. So, you know, it's very much, well, actually, I think you guys are booked out March, April. Yeah, we've got a big June. March. I think there's over 1,500 kids. So straight wow. straight into it in a couple of weeks, which is good. Um, yeah, how many schools? It's only like two schools. Okay. So, so it's like year eights, year nines. Year what do you limit? Do you limit like group, your group size? 80 yeah. a session. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, we could do more, but kids don't really like buy into it when it's a massive group. Yeah. We don't, yeah. We don't want any kid to feel like missed. So, yeah. yeah. Um, Which is hard. Like I do exercises where I get, sometimes I'll do 500. Like yesterday I did a group of 500 and then a group of 400. Yeah. But then I do small group too, but yeah, it is hard to like, and it's, yeah. it's so painful when you go, all right, everyone buddy up. And then you end up with like a couple that yeah. it's, like, it's like heartbreaking watching like the school ecosystem of like, yeah, the hierarchy. Yeah, the hierarchy. It's like, yeah. And it's sad because I remember it. I was part of it. So yeah. it's like, it's very hard to like, yeah. it's like, oh, why wasn't I that kid that would include that kid? Like now I would, but I wasn't back then. So it's how yeah. you inspire those kids to feel how you do now. Yeah, yeah 100%. Um, yeah, so the school program is probably the biggest one this year, sporting club program and workplace program. And then we'll have the movement club towards the back end of the year, the fun run again. Um, started planning a pop-up for winter this year, um, which we'll do down this way on the peninsula. And then marketing campaigns, like we're going to go all in with our messaging this year Amazing. Um, in terms of like our hoodies and stuff. So yeah, yeah, there's going to be a lot of power and substance behind those, which yeah, we're super excited for. Yeah, And then yeah, five years from now, hopefully facilitators all over the country. We've got three that have started off a couple of weeks ago. Yep. Um, yeah, we just want our message to, to spread across the country and impact as many people as possible. Yeah, I think it will. How did the current affair thing come about? Yeah, they, just, out to yeah, they just reached out to us, um, which... If we're completely honest, like we didn't think too many people watch Current Affair, but no. apparently a lot of people do, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which is sweet. Um, yeah, so that was a real uh, big step for us and um, we definitely need that, especially this early on in the year. Um, yeah, so as I said, didn't think too many people watched it, but yeah, a lot of people do, which is cool. So, yeah, the, that um, like media here is like so important. I did like a little thing with Studio 10. I don't yeah. think Studio 10 gets as many viewers as the current affair, but it definitely a few opportunities came from it. I'm actually, it's funny, I'm learning you like, I mean, you guys you know, got lucky, you guys are doing amazing stuff and obviously somebody heard about it and blah, blah, blah. Whereas I'm like learning if you want like media, you kind of have to go after it yourself. Like we've got a PR yeah, chick yeah. that's like putting together a press release right now to like spread out yeah. to like say like, hey, Cooper's ready to do storage if you want, but yeah. anyone's listening. Yeah. Always get it in. You guys too, make sure you get these guys. That's what, yeah, that's what we've learned. Like networking such a big thing now. Yeah, in the lives of us these days. Like, so, you know, being on the podcast, hopefully we're introduced to some of your network and then yes, hopefully us sharing at least it introduces yeah. you to a lot of our, our network. So. And we all have different angles and that's the thing, like mental health is such a massive spectrum. Like 10 kids in a room might really appreciate my style of teaching from being inspired to take action themselves. But then the other half of the room might be like, oh, no, I'm more of a connecting, like communicate with people. Like that's how some people are, inspired to make change themselves they need to have that conversation so i think there's so much room for all of us and there is quite a bit of competition in the space especially on the charity side because when funding comes in it's like there's this funding and it's like you get it or you get it so it's like we all just need to work together we're all working towards the same goal like 
let's just get together and change yeah, the world. exactly. That's why it's so cool to be able to connect with you guys and yeah, yeah. hopefully do some cool stuff together. Like yeah. We're saying we might yeah. try to a hoodie and donate all of it with you guys and yeah. like yeah, I see, cool. I see a club in coming for sure. Yeah, yeah, we'll do yeah. something stuck together. Stay this year. Yeah, <laughs> good yeah. speaking share. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, so what is the next 12 months looking like for you guys? Strictly, well, mainly the focus is the workshops, growing that out, and then, yep. yeah, just build an empire. Yeah, build the team. Um, so we had Sammy, who's a younger fellow, started two weeks ago, just doing like an admin support sort of role, trying to upskill him in as many areas as possible. Yeah, um, then we've three facilitators that we brought on already a couple of weeks ago as well. Um, you can only achieve so much with just the three of us. Yeah. Um, so pretty keen to grow the team like yeah, pretty we're quickly gonna, and impact as many schools as possible. Going to roll out an ambassador program. So hopefully get some young kids coming in, helping out, spreading yeah. the message as much as possible. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like when you think about the next 12 months, it's hard to imagine like something pops up every day. So yeah, um, yeah we want to get our own potty going to start sharing people's stories, mm. um, school programs, sorting up programs. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty chaotic. Like to be honest, this year we felt like under the pump at times, but we're just trying to navigate through this new life, but it's um yeah, it's really cool. One day at a time. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's so cool. I see so much like so many similarities. Like I'd maybe call myself like six months ahead of your guys' story. Obviously, different charity business, but yeah, yeah. same realm of stuff. I'm just like wanting to help people. It's so inspiring being around other young guys, especially you guys being yeah. a few years younger than me, to understand the impact that you're trying to have. But understanding that it's coming from a really strong why with your story and your story having two very different difficult times yeah. but both of them being able to marry together and be like wait we all have difficult times how can we best sort of facilitate conversations so that people know that yeah because we feel so alone when we're going through something like that yeah that is really challenging you're like oh like i don't need to bugger anyone else with my yeah. hard times it's like no people need that yeah and you feel so good talking about what you're going through mm. it's like a free counseling session talking to a mate like, yeah yeah it does a world of good and for most of us like talking to a mate is just as beneficial if not more than a psychologist because they kind of understand it it's yeah. like yeah well, you get that ongoing support don't you so like i know if i told ben something that i'm going through i know in two days time he's going to come checking on me where like a psychologist you got to book in to go see the mate like, yeah yeah exactly no it's amazing what you guys do and i can't wait to watch the rest of the journey i feel like it's like literally just the start of some really amazing stuff so you guys should be super proud it's been bloody happy getting to know the story i feel like this is just the start of a really cool friendship and relationship between us and hopefully yeah. be able to collaborate and mold the two of our sort of journeys together and make some impact together along the way so yeah, yeah it's going to be really fun but the last question i do finish all of my good humans podcast with is the same question so i'm going to ask you individually I'm yeah. <laughs> i know what this, i think i know what this question is i've been, I've been researching, oh, yeah, researching. <laughs> so the question is what does being a good human mean to ben to me you go first you no, you're right. you're uh, you. all right i'll go next first what does being a good human yeah mean? so i saw this on tiktok okay. and i was doing research i i personally think this is a hard question to answer because, it changes yeah like ben's version of being a good human like there's so many different versions of being a good human i've asked 90 people and every answer's been different so don't worry yeah but my my i feel like a good human when i'm contributing to my community and helping others so um whether that's my my girlfriend or my friends so serving others um yeah feels joy in myself and makes me feel like a good human beautiful ben? good answer mine's caring caring for others um like that's the same as me. It's different. It's different. <laughs> Caring, whether it's like at school, like looking after a student that's fallen over or going out of your way or trying to do it at least once a day to look after someone else. 
if everyone did that once a day each across the whole world, the world would be a better place. So mine's probably caring. Nice, bro. Yeah, what would I say? I mean, mine changes all the time. I think for me, being a good human is someone who has self awareness, understands that their actions, words, thoughts have consequences. So once you can build that awareness and realize, well, the sort of energy, the kindness I put out, the empathy I put out towards people, the gratitude I put into the world does have meaning. Yeah. yeah. I think once you can understand that, that's what being a good human is when you're aware rather than just aimlessly drifting through life. So, yeah, because then you can understand that you can go and help people, you can care for people, and it does have an impact. So, yeah, yeah I think that's today what I'd say. But it changes every day. Like I said, I, yeah. I asked everyone that question, and the answer's always been different. So, yeah, yeah that's my little answer today. But, boys, Love thank it. you so much for coming on. It's been great so. to catch up. I'd love to have you both back on individually and really get to know the story a bit longer. But yeah, yeah. the impact you guys are already having but going to continue to have is really special and it's great to be able to connect. So thanks for coming yeah. on Good Humans, boys. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having something special. Legend. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.